so Benjamin Franklin, he once said this, if you fail to plan, you are planning to fail. Anybody in here not a planner? I'm not a planner. Uh, little, uh, <laughs> little confession there. And uh, one of the most important things that I've done in my life, one of the biggest decisions I ever made um, that I failed to really plan out thoroughly was marrying my wife. I love my wife. Um, and it wasn't the decision to marry her. It was like the things that come next. Um, my wife and I had been single a while. We both owned homes. We both had like separate things. And, uh, and as we're getting married, um, I was changing careers too. I had, a, I had a sign business. That's what I did. And I was coming into ministry in the church. And um, throughout that, um, you know, finances were changing. We were running two households. That's a lot. And so we really didn't do all the work that was necessary to make sure that that functioned well. So we got married. She moved in to my home. We still paid bills, did things on her house while we were going through the process of selling it. I'm downsizing my business, which along with that came a downsized paycheck. Um, and then I had a really big ego. And so through all of this, um, I began to struggle financially. You know the last person I wanted to tell? My new wife. I didn't want to say, hey, I didn't think things through all the way. And apparently it cost a lot more money than I realized to take care of a family of eight. Um, because I was just taking care of a family of three. And so it dawned on me one night when I'm burning my trash in the backyard in the middle of the night so my wife wouldn't realize that I couldn't pay for our garbage bill. Um, so... <laughs> little confession there. And so really what it was is just a lack of planning. It was a lack of uh, at looking at everything that was there. Uh, it wasn't a lack of provision. We had what we needed, um, but we really needed to sit down together and, and get a game plan. And instead of doing that, again, I burned garbage in my backyard in the middle of the night for, for like two months. So just a little bit about me. I hope you guys show up next week. It'll be great. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I don't believe that anyone sets out to fail. Anybody in here set out to fail? Uh, no, man, it, it ends up being one of those things that happens because we get ahead of ourselves. Um, sometimes it's too many priorities. Um, like I really wanna put work into X, Y, and Z, but you know, I've got A, B, and C here. Like I've gotta take care of these things, these things. And so we overextend ourselves. And so that leads to a lack of planning. It can be things like time, not enough time. Um, it, it's hard to stop. Um, I, I, I like to work a lot. And so when it comes to planning things with my family, for my family, my personal needs, things like that, um, if it's left up to me, those things get, they get neglected. Um, actually, funny story, I'm taking tomorrow off. My boss has become so aware of my ability just to work every day. He made sure to tell me I had the day off in front of my wife because he knew my wife would then take the day off and to make sure that, that I didn't come to work because that's what I do. I, mean, I, just, I, just, I go, 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 and I neglect things. I don't plan um, for things like that. Um, and so the result of failing to plan um, can make all the difference between uh, victory or tragic loss. When we fail to plan, when we fail to plan, it can be one of these things where we lose tragically, um, where we're face down in the mud and we're wondering what happened. And again, it's not a lack of ability. Um, it's not a lack of provision. It's just a lack of just taking the time to sit down and to begin to write out goals and expectations. And so improvement, growth, success, all of those things need direction and a sense of purpose. They need direction and a sense of purpose. They won't happen on their own. And so as we begin to endeavor to live our lives differently, to do things differently, whether it's to approach finances or our marriage, um, they do need direction 
right? And, and they need purpose. Um, and, and those things happen when we, when we set goals and when we plan. And so when it comes to our recovery, to our family, to our marriage, to our finances, um, those are important things, right? And so all of us in here, we have different stories. We're in different seasons of life. We're in different places. Um, but one thing I do believe we all have in common is we showed up here today um, because we weren't happy with where we're at, right? And, and we know that there's something better. There's, we know that, that we can pursue change, um, but we have to put in the work to do it. You can't just show up on a Sunday and show up on a Monday and expect everything to fall into place. Well, the truth of the matter is this. We have to be very intentional about that. We have to be incredibly intentional about it. So improvement, growth, and success need direction and a sense of purpose. And so um, we've got a plan for that. We've got a plan for that. If we fail to plan, we kind of fall into just our natural condition. Um, if we fail to put that effort in, we, we fall into our natural condition. Um, and, and that condition, unfortunately, is really selfish. Uh, nobody has to teach us to do the wrong thing. Nobody has to teach me um, to, to, be, to be hateful. Nobody has to teach me to be self-centered. Uh, those things come naturally. Um, you know the things that I have to be really intentional about? Being kind, being loving, um, being forgiving. Forgiveness is a huge thing that, that if I don't sit down and, and, and make myself do that, that's not where I tend to lean on my own. Um, that's not where I come up. And if you're in here and that's you, man, praise God for you. Let me know how you do it. I would love to sit with you after service and find out how you're just such a great person all on your own because um, the rest of us, man, we need, we need God. We need his Holy Spirit to move in our lives um, so we can have those types of relationships and so we can experience life that way. And so again, the natural condition of a man's heart when left to himself is to do what's right in his own eyes. And unfortunately, doing what's right in our own eyes doesn't always lead to a great family life. I can guarantee you this, it doesn't lead to a good marriage. It doesn't lead to a good financial situation. In all honesty, it's probably what led you here in the first place. And so we have to be intentional about change. And those things need purpose and direction, which are, which are driven through goals. And so tonight's message is titled this, A Vehicle for Change. And that vehicle for change is goals. It's setting goals, but not just setting any goal. I'm not talking to like New Year's resolution um, where I'm going to drop 20 pounds and I'm going to finally have the abs I had when I was 16 um, because that ain't happening. That ain't happening. That's just something I do to make myself feel better at the beginning of the year. Um, we're talking about something that, that's, that's intentional, that is purpose-driven and something that, that leads to our spiritual condition being transformed, to our lives being changed, our stories being changed. And so we're talking about setting goals that matter tonight, setting goals that matter. And so setting goals, it starts with long-term vision and, or setting goals gives you long-term vision and short-term motivation. So goals are long-term vision. Where, where do you wanna be? Where do you wanna be? in five years, six years, 10 years, wherever that is down the road. So long-term vision, short-term motivation. And so we have to have these things that when we accomplish it, I don't know about you, but, but when I do something great, I wanna give myself a cookie. Um, I, just, I like to reward myself. Um, sometimes it really is just a cookie, um, but, but it's motivation to continue to press forward and continue to do what's good. Um, but we've gotta set the right type of goals. We've gotta set smart goals. And so tonight we're gonna to talk about smart goals. And so I believe we have a graphic for that. Um, they are specific, they are measurable, they're attainable, they're relevant, and they're time bound. 
And so another way to put that is significant, meaningful, action-oriented. Everything we do in recovery is action-oriented, action steps, um, rewarding and trackable. And so I encourage you, take a picture of that, do whatever. We're gonna leave that up there for just a moment. Um, Now, goals isn't something that we typically talk about when it comes to our faith, right? We talk about uh, maybe goals with uh, our finances, our family, right? Um, Things like that, our job. We have um, goals with our job. Um, When I had my business, I had all sorts of sales goals, things that I wanted to obtain. Um, When it came to my spiritual life, I had zero, I had none. It was one of those things that I, I honestly just expected God did just take care of it all Why I sat on the couch or discontinued to do what I was doing. But um, just like if you wanna see change in your health, you know, where are my fitness people at? Fitness people, exercise people, everybody hates you. So no, not sure. Um, but everybody who goes to the gym knows you have to have goals, right? You need that motivation. You need that motivation. You need that long-term vision, where you're going. Um, and so we, we get that with, with, with exercising, changing our physical body. But, but what about changing our spiritual state and, and where we're at on the inside, our, our soul and, and shifting our thought process? We have, to, we have to tackle it the same way. It takes the same tools. We've got to utilize the same things geared just a little bit differently if, if we want to change who we are and allow God to begin to mold us and shape us into who he intends us to be. And so again, we plan parties, we plan vacations, we plan for retirement. We plan for what we're gonna do in our 60s and our 70s, but what about our eternity? We don't give a second thought to that. But, but one day, we're not gonna be here. One day, we're gonna be somewhere forever. And there's a total lack of planning for that scenario. And so again, we've got to put effort into it. And so tonight, what I want to open up with is uh, some verses from uh, 1 Timothy. And so this is a letter to Timothy. Um, Timothy was a close um, partner, student of the Apostle Paul. And Timothy ends up in Ephesus. Ephesus was a church that Paul had planted. And Ephesus kind of had come under attack from some false teaching. And so Paul was encouraging Timothy and giving Timothy some direction. And starting in verses 7 through 9, it says, "Do, uh, Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. This isn't actually a part of my message, but I just feel like some people need to hear that. So we're gonna, don't waste time arguing. Some people just hear that, don't waste time arguing, but especially over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Don't waste your energy, don't waste your energy. He continues though, and he says this, instead, say instead. Instead, train, say train. Train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good for some of you, um, but training for godliness is much better, is much better. Promising benefits in this life and what? The life to come, in the life to come. And so this is a truck. I love this. Just in case you were confused or you weren't sure, Paul makes sure that we know this is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. And everyone should accept it, that, that we put all of this effort, all of this stock into things of the natural. And we put nothing into the supernatural, into what God would have for us. It's great to go to the gym. It's better to train yourself spiritually and, and to make sure that the condition of your heart and your mind are set. Now, anything you train with requires goals because we need that, that, that short-term and long-term vision and that short-term motivation. And so we have to set goals for these things. And so 
Paul, knowing this, he lays out some goals for Timothy. And he said, teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. Don't let anyone think less of you. Don't, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. So Timothy was young. He kind of had this thing in the church where people had the potential to, to possibly look down on him. And I want you to know that if you're in here, you, maybe it's your age, maybe it's your background, maybe you used to be um, an addict, maybe you're currently struggling in addiction, uh, maybe you've had multiple marriages, uh, maybe there's something in your secret life that you allowed just to be shameful. Uh, whatever it is, even though it's different than what Timothy was dealing with, that, that we shouldn't let people look down on us, that we should still pursue something different and something new. Um, I had encounters before coming to this particular church where I got the sense that I was never gonna be good enough to pursue the things of God. Um, and I was discouraged by that. And I would run into these walls where I felt like maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I can't change. Maybe my background's too much or my family was too much. And so I just want you to know, little side note, don't let it discourage you. Don't let it knock you off. And he said, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say. Say that, say say. And the way you live, say live. And your love, say love. love. Your faith, say faith. faith. And your purity, say purity. purity. And so Timothy, again, he was a young pastor. It was easy for people to look down on him. And, and Paul was saying, don't, don't let this get in the way. In fact, train yourself as you're pressing forward, as you're growing in leadership, which we should all be doing, whether it's pastoral or not, we're all called to some ministry and we all need to set our minds on these things and to grow and to push past our past and to continue to pursue what God has for you. Don't let those things discourage you. Instead, set your mind on this, training towards these things. Let these be your goal. Let these be your goal. The way that you, um, what you say, the way that you live in your love, your faith and your purity. And so... It may be easy, it may be easy for people to look down on you in this world, but, but don't let that be the thing that keeps you from pursuing godly spiritual goals and growing and growing. And so our goal should be to live so that others can see Christ in us. That, that should be your goal. That if physical training is good, the real training, the real important thing is to live in a way that people can see Christ in you. Now, I get it, man. If, you're, if your guns are as big as my thigh, that's great. But <laughs> when I walk into the room, my heart's desire is for people to say, man, he knows how to love people. Man, like, I want them to see Christ in my life because um, I want it to bring hope and encouragement to them. I want it to point to, to what set me free because I want other people to encounter that. But I've got to train myself in a way. And again, if you're like me, it takes work. It takes work not to make fun of people, not to be a jerk. Ask my kids. They encounter this all the time, that, that I've got to put effort into this, and I've got to set goals for change. If I'm going to live the kind of life that I want my family to model, if I want to live the kind of life that does direct people to my Savior, that, that directs people to my freedom, that directs people to my hope, Physical training is good, but godly training is where it's at. And godly training takes goals. And so our goal should be to live so that others can see Christ. Because when we do, it reflects that inward change. I want people to see what's taking place in here. Even if the outside looks dirty, God's done a work in here. 
God's made this new. He's renewed it. I'm a new creature, a new creation. I want that to begin to shine through for others to see. I want to live in a way that honors God and points people to Jesus. And again, improvement, improvement in our lives, growth spiritually, success in all of this. It needs direction, needs direction. It needs a sense of purpose. It needs a sense of purpose. You can't show up here and expect God to do something if you're not putting in work too. If, you, if you're not setting goals, if you're not helping him direct you, you, you need these things. You need these things. Setting goals gives you long-term vision, short-term motivation. And tonight, I want to address those five spiritual goals that I believe Paul gave Timothy. I want to address them. I want to talk about them just for a moment. Tonight's not going to be a long lesson. I know you guys heard five and you've checked out. Don't worry. Don't worry. We're going to be out of here on time. Um, but I want to address these five things. And so when setting spiritual goals... It's important to remember our words predict our success or failure. Our words predict our success or failure. Um, I believe that words matter. What we say, it matters. And so I think it's interesting that, that here Paul starts with words out of all the things. I mean, he could have started anywhere, right? He could have started with love. I mean, love, as we know in the Bible, man, that, that's the thing, right? Why wouldn't Paul start with the thing? Like, that, that's what it is. That, that's the goal, to love like Jesus. But Paul says, start with what you say. Now, I don't know for sure if that was intentional on purpose. I believe that it was because I believe that, that our words, they do predict our success or failure. That if trash is coming out of my mouth, I can never love anybody like Jesus does. That, that if I'm speaking death over my life, that I can never live the way that God has called me to. That, that my mouth, my words guide and direct everything. That everything follows that. And so even when it comes to our salvation, it's interesting. Um, if you want to be saved, you want to have a relationship with Jesus, it's not, well, live this way. No, it's confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. I mean, so even when it comes to that, that, that it's a profession of the tongue. And, and we go through life and we miss the significance of that. We miss it. We struggle in addiction and we speak it back over ourselves. I'm just an addict. I'll always be an addict. I'm just a failure. I'll always be a failure. We struggle in our marriages. Oh, my marriage is crap. My wife hates me. She's awful. And we speak these things over us. I'm broke. I'm broke. I'm bro and we speak it over us. And I want you to know that, that you are predicting the outcome. That, that you're directing your future. And if you're in a bad situation, begin to speak life over it. Begin to speak positivity. Be an example. Set goals for it. Whatever that area of your life is that's hard, write down positive things and wake up every morning and confess them over your life. Say them over your life. Find scripture for it. Confess it over your life and continue to pursue what God has for you. And so James 3, 3 through 4, it says this. We can make a large horse Go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And so any of my equestrian folks in here know that, I mean, if you, if you had to just yank a horse around, I mean, it'd be pretty difficult, right? I mean, they're much stronger than we are. But you can put this tiny little thing in its mouth and you can direct this large beast. Isn't that incredible? It's incredible. And the same is true for us. It goes on and it says, and a small rudder makes a huge ship Turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. 
In the same way, say in the same way. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. So in the same way that a bit directs a horse, in the same way, the tongue directs you. In the same way that a small rudder directs a ship, the tongue directs you. And so that's where we've got to start setting our goals. He continues, it says, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire for it is set on fire by hell itself. That's some pretty pretty intense stuff um, when it comes to the word of God and, and just our language and the things that we say. And I encourage you, if you're in here and, and you're, you're one of these that speak negativity, that, that talk and, and profess and, and claim things over your life like that, just go through your Bible. Just begin to look at, at all the places where God um, talks about the importance of our language and the things that come out of our mouth. Because this is just the tip of the iceberg. But, but our words... They predict our success and our failure. Um, I forget who said, said this uh, right at the top of my head, but it's whether you say you can or say you can't, either way you're right. Either way you're right. And so if you approach things with that attitude immediately is, is I can't get this, that I'm gonna fail, you're right. If you approach it with, with I can, I can do this, and it's gonna be great. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have success here, you're right. You dictate your future by the things that come out of your mouth. And so again, if your marriage is struggling, I don't care if your husband's awful. I don't care if your wife's awful. I mean, I do, but stop saying it. Begin to speak life over him. Say, man, that's a good man. I married a good man. I married a good man. And profess it, claim it, talk about it. Tell him he's great. He'll begin to wonder what's wrong with you. And maybe he'll start <laughs> acting that way. And so begin to claim these things. And you can predict your future, whether it's successful or whether it's a failure. And so when setting spiritual goals, it's important to remember this, point number two, our lives can stifle the Holy Spirit. And so Paul said, be an example to all believers in what you say and in the way that you live. And our lives can stifle the Holy Spirit. And here's what happens, and this is for all the believers in the room, all the Jesus followers, those that have bought in, when, when you make that commitment to follow Christ and you make him Lord, um, one of the unique things that we get to experience, we talked about this the last couple of weeks, is, is we have the opportunity to become a temple of God. Like That's what takes place. God's spirit indwells us, lives on the inside of us, and, and we, we get to commune with him and have a personal relationship with him. And that's phenomenal. That's why we change. That's why we have that opportunity to change is because God's on the inside doing a work in us. If you talk like trash, you live like trash, you're stifling God's ability to work and to move. And even though you've invited him in, if you keep going on living the way that you were living and you're not setting goals and pursuing change and trying to walk out the life that God has for you, you're inhibiting God's ability to work and move in your life. And you show up and you're like, I just don't get it. I don't get it, man. I, I, I say this all the time because it's so, I say it all the time because I did it for five years and I was so dense and so stupid, I didn't see it. So I'm trying to help save some of you from that. But, but you can't show up here once a week in the rest of your life 
look awful and be far from God and expect anything to change and expect him to move because that's just not enough. <laughs> it's just not enough that, that you've got to give opportunities for God to work in your life. Again, if, you, if you're struggling in addiction and you show up to a recovery meeting and then you go to a dope house and you spend twice as much time at a dope house, what are you going to do? You're going to use if you're spending time at church working on your marriage, going to one counseling session, and then you're looking at things you shouldn't be looking at or talking to women or men you shouldn't be talking to, and that's where you spend most of your time, it's going to fail. It's going to fail. If you're praying for your finances and you go spend all of your extra time at the casino, yes, you're going to be broke. That, that's what happens. And we're stifling God's ability to move. And we wonder, like, I go to all these places. I do all these things. God, why aren't you moving? God, why aren't you moving? And so our lives can stifle the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5, 14 through 15 says this. It says, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other, um, uh, do good to each other and to all people. And so here, this is the Apostle Paul talking again, and he's just talking on the way that we live, right? And the things that we do. Don't be lazy, encourage people, don't be timid, take tender care of the weak, do these things. That he's really saying it's important how you live. It's important what you do. Like your actions don't save you, but your actions should reflect the fact that you've been saved. And he goes on, he says, always say always, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstance for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ. So again, it's important how you live, especially as we become Christians, as we endeavor to take this route, which if you want freedom in your life, if you want recovery in your life, if you want change, if you're tired of status quo, a relationship with Jesus is how it's obtained. I don't care, you can go to all the 12 steps you want, you can go to all the counseling you want outside of there, but until you commit to Jesus, you're gonna be stuck in the same life and the same trap. And then when you make that commitment, things begin to change and you can begin to move and pursue something different. And then he says this, don't stifle the Holy Spirit. Bam, we can do that. We can keep God from moving in our lives. By what? The way that we live the way that we live, because we're not puppets, right? God gives, God's a gentleman, as my wife loves to say. He'll only move when we allow him to move. And if you keep doing the same things, if you keep behaving the same way, you keep talking the same way, you're gonna stifle God's ability to move in your life. And it takes more than once a week. It takes time. It takes commitment. Set goals for the way that you live. If, you, if you've got you know, goals with your body, and physical fitness, you know this to be true. But when it comes to our spiritual condition, we act like it operates by a different set of rules. And it's the same. We've gotta be motivated. We've gotta set goals if we wanna pursue change. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. And this last part, stay away from every kind of evil. Again, the things that we do matter. The places that we go, it matters. The people we spend time with, it matters. If you want God to move in your life, be intentional about the way that you live. And so again, Paul addresses, man, watch what you say, watch how you live. And then 
When setting spiritual goals, it's important to remember this. Number three, faith and love have an eternal impact. Have an eternal impact. And so be an example to all believers in what you say and the way you live and your love, your faith. And so it's so easy to put stock in the wrong things. It's so easy to pursue the wrong things. I did it for years. I put so much time and effort into energy into financial gain, into financial gain. And, and it does not have an eternal compact, <laughs> impact. Matthew, Matthew 19, 20 says this. It says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroy them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths cannot, or moths and rust cannot destroy and th- thieves do not break in and steal. And so, again, as we're pursuing change, as we're setting goals, there's nothing wrong with making money. There's nothing wrong with success outside of the church. I think that's a great blessing from God. If you have a lot, I'm happy for you. That's a good thing. Don't, don't let anybody tell you it's not. But it can't be the thing. It can't be ahead or above what God's called you to. And if you have goals for your finances, if you have goals for your job, you have goals for your business, and you have zero goals for your walk with God, guess what? You're putting stock in the wrong thing. Your focus is off. Your priorities are wrong. You're stifling God's ability to move. But, but love, that matters. Faith that matter. In fact, they last forever. They last forever. And so those things don't last. Um, here, um, I'm gonna read from you for chapter 13 um, of 1 Corinthians. And so the apostle Paul, he's going on about love. Um, he's going on about love. And he's, you guys have probably heard it if you've ever been to a wedding. <laughs> but <laughs> in this first part, verse three, it says this. It says, if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, what would I have gained? And so what Paul's addressing here um, is the fact that even if it's good things, even if it's, you know, something that looks great to the world out there, if it's not done out of love, then it's meaningless. He ends chapter 13 with this. Three things, say three things. Three Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And so again, faith and love have an eternal compact. Um, impact that 100 years from now, nobody's going to give a crap about your truck. They're just not. Um, Sorry about it. A lot of people don't care now. Um, (laughs) Great house you live in. That's that's awesome. Same deal. Same deal, man. And I'm glad. I mean, blessings are great. I'm glad that you have them. You know the things that people talk about? The way that you treat people. Generations to come will talk about the things that you did in faith, in love, and the way you impacted the community. Those things have an impact in this world now, but guess what? In the world to come. They last beyond time. That they have this impact. God is love. God is outside of time. I mean, these things last forever. Forever is outside of time. And so we've got to begin to put stock in the right things. Don't build up your treasures here on earth where they're not gonna last. Nobody really cares. And in 60 years from now, it's all gonna be forgotten. But invest in the things that God would have you to invest in. And in order to do that, guess what? You're gonna set goals. 
It's hard to love people. Love is not a feeling. It's an action. And just like I can set goals with how many push-ups I want to do every day, I can set goals with how many people I'm going to love and the way I'm going to love them. That it's an action. It's something that we can put into practice. I don't care how you feel about it. I don't care how you feel about them. Begin just to do it, to walk it out. Our faith, we can put goals with our faith and just begin to trust God. And these things are important because they impact us here. They help grow us into who God will call us to be. And so again, three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And so when setting spiritual goals, it's important to remember purity is a part of the process. Purity is a part of the process. I just got to say, I'm doing great. We're on number four already. That's like the last one. I do want to remind you guys, um, there's a lot of verses that, that aren't on those notes. Go to Version Bible app, the events. I put every single verse I use in any message on there so that you guys have access to that. Just a great tool just to kind of to utilize. Um, point number four, purity is a part of the process. Matthew 5, 8 says, God blesses those whose hearts are pure for they will see God. And so that verse out of Matthew, it's actually the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. It's what we call one of our Beatitudes. And um, when, when our hearts are pure, it gives us the opportunity to see God. It reveals God when we get there. But you might be thinking like, that's great. How do I get a pure heart? Like, what is that about? Because there's all this stuff that I deal with. And I don't know about you, that was kind of where I was at at one point. Like I didn't understand how I could have purity. I mean, because I still make mistakes every day, all the time. There's things that I do and it just, it didn't reconcile. And so we're gonna kind of touch on that a little bit. Um, Titus 2.11 says, for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. Um, for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. Hey, in the back, if you could not throw up the verses until I'm actually on that one. Um, so for the grace of God, has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. So God's grace, and what is grace? Grace is this, it's undeserved love and favor. So God pours out his undeserved love and favor. That was done through Jesus Christ. And so Jesus, we know, man, he, he gave his life. He was the son of God. He sacrificed himself so that we could be saved and forgiven. That's God's grace. We didn't deserve it. Not, not a single one of us in here. We all needed it. And that brings salvation. That brings purity, though, too. God, God makes us holy, that's set apart. He purifies us. He, he cleanses us of all wickedness, all unrighteousness. That, that's what God's sacrifice does. And so purity is a part of the process, though, that, that our, 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 our soul or our spirit is cleansed. It's made new. Um, but our soul, which is our flesh, it takes a little time to catch up. That, that when you make a decision to follow Jesus, you are a new creature, new creation in Christ, like all things are made new, but kind of the things that we've been doing, those habits take time to catch up. And so that's why you can come to church. You can make a wholehearted commitment to follow Jesus and mean it and it be a real thing in a real moment. And then you go home and you just vomit on your wife, hateful things. Um, I know I'm not the only one that's done that. Um, and that's because there's things on the outside that, that need to catch up, but it's a part of the process. And so we can't take those single failures and say, 
I guess I'm not a Jesus follower. I guess it didn't stick. I'll never be good enough. And I don't know about you, I did that for a long time. And so I would try to pursue God and that I didn't understand why do I have these struggles? Why are these things that I'm doing? Like, what's the deal? Not understanding that, that it is a process, that it's step after step after step. And little by little, sometimes tinier steps than I really wanna take, I'm moving closer to God. But the thing is, we have to set those goals, right? Motivation, determination, rewards. We've got to set those goals and say, all right, if this is the thing I'm working on, I'm just a tiny step closer. That's great. Hallelujah. You know, tiny step closer. And we do that with other things, but we've got to do it with with our spiritual things too, our walk with God, that it's not just a, a switch that's flipped and, you know, one day I'm an addict, one day I'm a completely free. That doesn't always happen. Um, one day I'm a, a huge butt and the, the next day I'm just, I'm Gandhi. I mean, that, that doesn't happen. Anybody in here that happened to? I mean, no, right? That, that's, that's, put your hand down, Dave. Um, <laughs> but that's the expectation, isn't it? That's the expectation. And then not only is that the expectation, but then we're discouraged when that's not what happens. And it brings discouragement. And then we lose motivation. We lose determination. And we throw up our hands and we quit until we find ourselves back in that place where we're far from God we're desperate, we're at rock bottom again. We're like, all right, I'll give it another go. But the thing we have to realize that with any process, that, that it's gotta be goal oriented, that we've gotta move towards it um, and we've gotta continue to work. And if there's setbacks, that's okay. I mean, right? Um, but we've gotta get back on and we gotta move because purity is a part of the process. And so Titus 2.11, for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. That, that's where it starts. But it continues, and he says, um, and we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasure. Um, And so God is revealed. We receive that. And then because of that, we're instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasure. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. You can't isolate yourself from everything. You can't keep yourself from everything out there. You have to learn to live in this world and still be healthy. Um, Otherwise, kind of side note, you you meet those crazy Christian people that um, are just really weird um, and they have no idea what the world's like. And it's like, how the heck do you go through life like that? don't, Don't live in the world, be a part of it. It's okay that you have friends that are far from God because that way you can introduce them to Jesus. Um, (laughs) But we should live in this world with wisdom, righteousness, devotion to God, while we look forward with hope to the wonderful day that when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. Um, and then it goes on in 2.14, it said, he gave his life to free us from every kind of sin. I'll say that again. He gave us his life to free us from every kind of sin. It, it is a process. And so God did this so you can be purified. Your past can be forgotten. It can be wiped clean. You can be free of it. Your actions, the things that you struggle with, you can set those down. Um, He gave his life to free us from those things, not so you you can carry them for the next 30 years or struggle in the same thing over and over, but set attainable goals, focus on it step by step by step. You can find that freedom. Free us from every kind of sin to cleanse us. Clean things are pure things, right? To cleanse us. And to make us his very own people. Man, what an incredible promise. Totally committed to doing good deeds. I didn't always like to do what's right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to lie there. I actually really used to enjoy breaking the law. It, it was fun. It was exciting. That used to be the thing that I liked. But, but over time, through, through goals and small steps, guess what? 
I don't like to commit felonies anymore. It's, it's not a thing I enjoy. But that's a great thing, right? Purity, thank you. Purity, purity is a part of the process. When I gave my life to Jesus, guess what? I still struggled and I still had those things, but I didn't give up and I was determined. And purity is a part of the process. And so to recap tonight, number one, our words predict our success or failure. Watch what's coming out of that mouth. I mean, seriously, watch what you say because it predicts your success or failure. Our lives can stifle the Holy Spirit. You can't go on living the way you were living and just think that God's gonna move in all those situations. You've gotta give him opportunities to move. You've, you've gotta make yourself available to him and the way that you live matters. Faith and love have eternal impact. Those things last forever. Stop focusing on just things of the world. Like I said, success isn't a problem. Success financially, success in material things above God, that's a problem. That's a problem. And so faith and love, though, have eternal impacts. That, that you should put more stock in that. More stock in your faith, more, more stock in love. Let those other things come after. And then number four, purity is a part of the process. Purity is a part of the process. And so our action steps tonight is to begin to seek God and pray about areas, areas of your life where spiritual goals are needed. Um, real kind of, uh, this is for free. If it's an area of strife, Area strife, um, contention, argument, those things, those are good indications that you should probably set some goals there. Um, you're fighting with your wife, set goals with her. You know, If you're broke, set goals financially, those things. So um, number two, set short-term, long-term goals. Remember, go back to the SMART goals. Um, we'll throw that up on the screen in just a second. Um, but set short-term, long-term goals. If you need to set a goal to make it to the end of the day with something different, do that hourly. It doesn't matter. It's for you. Nobody else even has to know about it. You set what works for you. And you set it as long as you need, short as you need, but it's whatever's going to keep you moving. And then reward yourself. If you're an alcoholic, don't go get a drink. That's bad. Um, get a cookie. Do something like that. So reasonable rewards, but it's okay to reward, your, to reward yourself for success. It is. And so our SMART goals, specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, time-bound. Tackle the things in your life. And so tonight, <laughs> tonight, everything we talked about, it starts with Jesus. I will never get up here and not point you guys back to Jesus because freedom is found in him. I don't care what it is that's going on in your life. I don't care what your problem is. The solution is the same. It's a relationship with Jesus. And so if you're in here tonight and you're far from God, um, you've never known God and you're like, you know what? I wanna make that decision tonight. First and foremost, it'd be the best decision you ever made. And, and we wanna do that with you. If you don't know where to start or how that works, here in just a moment, we're gonna have some people up front. These are our, our they wanna pray with you. They wanna be here for you. And they would love to lead you in that prayer for the first time. If you're uncomfortable with this, find me after service. The important thing is that you start that relationship so that you can start to, to seek and to pursue change. And then if you need to recommit, that's okay. I've gotten off track. I've gotten off track. Um, I've made mistakes. I've had to, to re, refocus and, and to start again and to pursue in a different way. And so if you need to recommit, we would love to, to pray with you for that as well. And then if you need to get a chip tonight, if as I was up here running my mouth, you're like, man, I mean, God's just dinging me. I need to, I need to deal with that. I need to, 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 I need to give that to God. We have our white chips up front. If you don't know what that is, it's just a symbol. It's something that's between you and God. You can hold on to it. 
You can write down today's day. You can write down what it is. You can leave it blank. Whatever you want to do, as long as you remember, I gave that to God. Whatever it is, relationship, money, addiction, whatever it is, you gave that to God. That's all that symbol or signifies. And then lastly, if you just need prayer, if you're in here today and you're like, I'm struggling, I'm having a hard time, I just want somebody to pray with me. Or if you just need somebody to celebrate with you, we would love to do that as well. And so um, as we close tonight and as my chip prayers and huggers come to the front, if you guys could stand to your feet and join us in worship.